turbulent times call for clear-headed insight. That's hard to come by these days, especially on TV. That's where we come in. Salem News Channel has the greatest collection of conservative minds all in one place. People you know and trust, like Dennis Prager, Eric Metaxas, Charlie Kirk, and more. Unfiltered, unapologetic truth. Find what you're searching for at snc.tv and on Local Now Channel 525. Good evening and welcome to Contending for the Faith. We're the cutting-edge Christian apologetic ministry addressing the issues and challenges facing today's church with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, and expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. Well, tonight we are going to begin a brand new series entitled 11 Ways God Allows Suffering, taken from a biblical perspective. So when it comes to suffering, people respond in many different ways. Eastern religions teach the non-existence of evil and suffering in the world. And then you have word faith teachers that teach that all suffering is the result of sin. There are even some people in churches who blame God, themselves, and others for suffering. Well, tonight, Dr. Buckner will break down the true biblical view of suffering. So buckle up, strap in, and get ready, for we are not pretending. We are contending for the faith. Dr. Buckner, how are you tonight? Brother Gary, I'm truly blessed, and thank you so much for that introduction. And we want to thank everybody out there in Radio Land for joining us for another edition of Contending for the Faith. I'm your host, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner, and we know you're going to be blessed and lifted up by our program tonight. You know, all of us are going through some type of suffering. And Jesus uh, told us to be of good cheer because he's overcome the world. And the godly will suffer persecution and tribulation in this world. So Jesus uh, warned us about that, but he also gave us some uh, tools to work with in dealing with the suffering that we experience in this life. I trust that this series on 11 Ways God Allows Suffering will be a blessing and encouragement to you. Uh, suffering, according to the Bible, is something that we are supposed to embrace and not try to it erase. A lot of us try to erase it rather than embrace it. Some people say, even many in the churches I wish God would erase all suffering and evil in the world. Now, listen to me now. If God were to do that, erase all suffering and evil in the world, then all of us are gone because all of us are evil by nature. Many people uh, even go as far as saying, if God is omnipotent, meaning all-powerful, He can do anything. That's what they say. He can do anything. Well, that's true as long as it's not contrary to his nature. One time in a church, I preached a series on things God cannot do. That was my title, and people were shocked. And I said, hold on, let me uh, break down what I mean by that. There are things that God cannot do because it's contrary to his nature, Let me give you some examples. God cannot lie. 
God cannot change. Jesus is the same yesterday, today, and forever, according to the book of Hebrews. God cannot look upon evil. God cannot uh, change his salvation. And God is not going to change suffering as well, because suffering is a part of the growth of the Christian, and that's what we're going to learn in this series. Now, why does God allow suffering in our lives? You know, that's a critical question, and I just want to say this by resources for you. You might want to write this down. Um, There are two important books that you should get and read, or as well as uh, uh, CDs. Uh, There is a book that's entitled Why by Ann Lott Graham, Billy Graham's daughter. Why? And it's a small book, but it's a tremendous book. I think every Christian should have in their library and share it with others. It'll be a good uh, gift, you know, with Christmas coming to give to people that are suffering. And then also... Uh, There is a CDs and a book that uh, Dr. James Dobson wrote entitled, When God Doesn't Make Sense. Uh, I would encourage you to get both of those resources, and it would be a blessing to you and your family and your church. Now, let me get back to this subject matter of suffering. C.S. Lewis, the great Oxford scholar, once said, and he said something so profound in suffering, he said, And these are the two Ps. Make a note of it. God whispers to us in our pleasures. That's the first P. But the second P is this. He shouts at us in our pain. Wow, that is so heavy. God whispers to us in our pleasures, but he shouts at us in our pain. And then uh, St. Augustine once said, you know, that God proves us to improve us. Proves us to improve us. That's profound as well. You know, there are three ways that God delivers. You ever thought about this? Three ways that God delivers. Make a note of this as well. He delivers in suffering, number one. He delivers out sometime of the situation, He delivers sometime in the situation, and sometimes he delivers, thirdly, up out of the situation. You know, know, like uh, Daniel was thrown in the lion's den, and God delivered him out of that, but Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, he delivered them in it. And then sometimes when people are suffering tremendously so, God just decides to take them up out of it, just take them into the presence of God. We don't understand all of that, but there's a purpose behind all of that. He delivers out, in, and up. Make a note of that. So I want to share with you 11 reasons why God allows suffering in our lives. And let me start off with number one. Number one, God allows suffering in our lives to develop the two Ps, patience and perseverance, patience and perseverance. And boy, do we need both of those in our lives, because we can be very impatient at times. You see, God answers prayer three ways, by saying yes, number one, number two, no, and number three, wait. 
and wait is the hardest of all the three. In the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, the book of James, chapter 1, verses 2 through 3, verse 2, let it, it says, My brethren, count it all joy. Now notice he says, count it joy. <laughs> Uh, when you fall into various trials. Now, that's the last thing that we want to do is rejoice in trials. We frown, we get discouraged, we lose faith. And he said, count it all joy. Why? God has a purpose in everything you go through. You know this, I think it was Donald Gray Bornhouse the great uh, prince among preachers that was Walter Martin's uh, teacher, my mentor. He said, there's nothing that can pass through our lives unless it first passes through the will of God. That's what happened with Job. Did it not? You know, Satan couldn't do anything to Job unless God permitted it. And he can't do nothing in your life unless God permits it. But even when he permits it, God is on the throne, not Satan. God is on the throne, and he has a purpose in everything you go through. You have to go through it to get to it, my friend. The Lord wants to teach us patience through suffering. That's what James was saying, the half-brother of Jesus, because we are very impatient people. We want it now. We want it right now. We want that check right now. We want that blessing right now. We want that marriage right now. We want uh, God to move in our church right now. You know, and the old saying is true. They used to say in the black church, he may not be there when you want him, but he's always on time. Can I get an amen on that? We want things when we want it. And God says, no, I do things according to my own will, my own ways, and my own work. We just have to wait on the Lord. That's what he did. You notice how the Lord, he could have came right in there and uh, saved Lazarus from dying. But he was close to that family, was he not? In John chapter 11, he was close to that family, and they were Jesus' best friends. And uh, that family got upset with Jesus, the two women. Mary Martha got upset with Jesus. Why weren't you there? He didn't have to die, but Jesus had a purpose in him dying. It was when the mummy man met the God man. (laughs) Jesus was the God man that brought the mummy man from the dead. And when he brought him from the dead, he brought everybody else around there, around them from the dead as well, because there were other people dead They weren't dead physically, but they were dead spiritually. See, the Lord had a purpose in that. He had a purpose in healing the blind man in his timing. But the people were impatient, and we're that way today too. And God has allowed suffering in our life to bring patience in our life. That's my first point. And so, you know, it says in Matthew 6, this is the disciples' prayer. This is not the Lord's prayer. I want to correct that because... The Lord's Prayer is in John 17. The disciples' prayer is in Matthew 6. He says, Thy will be done. In 1 John 5 and 14, we have this confidence. If we ask anything according to his will, he heareth us. See, remember I said, 
God answers prayer three ways, yes, no, and wait. And wait is the hardest for most of us. You know, and we need to understand that. Now, let me open up this second one, and then we'll pick up with the second one next time. Number two, God allows suffering in our lives to develop maturity. Maturity. Because today, in most of our churches... We have more babes, listen to this, we have more babes in the church than in the nursery that need to be burped, need a bib, and uh, God wants to knock out of us that first M, milk, so he can get us to that next M, meat, the meat of the word. And so there's been some people today in churches for five years, 10 years, 20 years, 40 years, 50 years, and haven't grown at all. You know, that's what God is trying to do. He's trying to get us to grow. And and in James chapter 1, verse 4, he says, But let patience have its perfect work, that you may be perfect and complete, lacking nothing. James mentioned the word perfect two times in this verse 4. The word perfect in Greek means mature, maturity. This is what Jesus was talking about in Matthew 5 and verse 48. Be ye perfect, even as your Father, which is in heaven, is perfect. That means mature. So what God is trying to do through suffering is knock out of us immaturity, and knock in us maturity. You see, the curse of the church today is biblical illiteracy. If the devil can't have your soul, he's going for the neutralization and the sterilization of your life so you won't grow. He that has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches regarding these issues, these 11 points of suffering. Brother Gary. All right. Well, it's time for us to take that commercial break. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area pastor, lecturer, counselor, expert on the cults, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. We want to begin by thanking all of you who have been praying for Contending for the Faith We need your prayers as well as your financial support. It's a prayer-driven ministry, and it's a listener-supported ministry, both sides of the same coin, so to speak. We need both in order to continue to operate. We want to thank those who have been praying for us, and we want to thank those who, over the past week, stepped up to the plate and uh, hit a home run for us financially, particularly Jackie and Alfred, Rick, and William, who really hit the ball out of the park. Um, Without your financial support, we just cannot remain um, on the air. This program costs us 400 a week, so we need your help. And right now, we're very close to having to go off the air due to lack of financial support. Uh, We currently need $342 for this week's program. It's It's this time of year, you know, as we come out of the summer months, Uh, We always hit this slump in giving. 
But if you've been blessed by the program and Dr. Buckner's teaching, we want to encourage you. Won't you help us out financially? Maybe you've been listening to the broadcast many, many years, and you've never written, you've never sent anything in. Well, now's a good time. Now's the time for you to step up and uh, get in the game, so to speak. Grab that bat and hit a home run financially for the broadcast. There's two ways you can donate. Number one, send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. That's Contending for the Faith. Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way, so much easier. Just get on your laptop, your computer, your smartphone, and go online to contendingfaith.org. That's contendingfaith.org. And click on the donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary, for those announcements. And we appreciate, as Brother Gary has said, all of your prayers, because it means so much to us and your support. But uh, don't become MIA because uh, it affects what we're trying to do uh, every Saturday. So we want to encourage people to be consistent because we have a God of consistency. All right, Brother Gary, let's uh, get to our first caller. All right, we're going to go to Katrina in Sonoma. Katrina, are you there? Katrina? Hello? I guess we will try. Hopefully she'll Yeah, hopefully back. she'll call back. All right. Next caller is Sophia in Sunnyvale. Sophia, how are you doing? Oh, I'm just fine. I'm going to be very fast because this is a great series. A lot of people will be calling in. I love what you said, Dr. Buckner. I'm talking very fast. Uh, what you said, you said uh, people say, why, don't the Lord ta- why doesn't the Lord take away evil? Well, we'd all be gone. I love that. I'm going to tell that to people. They always say to me, why doesn't God take off us? Well, we'd be gone. I love that. <laughs> well, that's, a, that's a, one of the greatest apologetic uh, responses. You know, we, when we use the word apologetics, it comes from the Greek word apologia, and it means to rightfully defend truth. And one of the things that I try to teach students who take the class on apologetics is that the first response to people who say, why doesn't God uh, get rid of, erase all evil in the world and uh, all suffering? Well, if God were to do that, then nobody's here in the universe but God. And so Amen. God has a greater plan uh, than uh, what we can expect. And so he uses the evil even for his very good. So thank you for bringing that out because that's a key point in the oh, message. It was fabulous. Now, I'm being really fast. I have a question, but I'm saving it for next week. But this is what I want to say, and it's kind of a, a, a sort of what you, your series, which sounds so fabulous. Now, this has to do with um, one of your listeners, Rick. Now, um, and it's a good example, as it turns out, because Rick, I didn't know he was in the hospital till he said on the air he was calling from the hospital. Now, this is a very good Christian who calls from the hospital, and yet he's praying for Christians and he's in his hospital bed. So I say this is an expression I just learned, Dr. Buckner, is very hip term, and, and I learned it, and it's, I'll explain it quickly. It, I, I give him props. That means you say, oh, it's, you're doing good. So I give props to Rick because he's, got, he's in the hospital bed, and yet he's calling from the hospital bed. And see, that's what you're saying. He has patience. 
He's, he's praying for other Christians while he's in the hospital bed. So I give him props. Now, what I want to say to Rick, I'm going to speak a little to him, and then I get off the phone because I'll wait for my question because this was on my heart. So I have, you know, I, won't, I don't want to be proud. God hates the proud people. But I am a very good dancer. I happen to be. And so I can do anything, the tango, the cha-cha, the foxtrot. And then even my friend's grandmother taught me, she used to watch a show called Soul Train, and she had a crush on Don Corny something. Cornelius. And, yes. Mm-hmm. She said he had a very low voice. So she taught me, like, the mashed potatoes, the stroll, the funky chicken. I can do all that. Shake your tail, feathers, the hustle. Oh, well, actually, well, we you're don't pretty creative. Do- yeah, we don't want to do those two last dances. But this is my point I'm saying. You're saying, why are you talking to a dancer? Because I tell you, um, I have a little card that I made out, and this is for Rick. I made out a little card, and I called it my dance card. So when we get to heaven, Rick, I know you have pain in your legs and everything, and you talk about that and you don't sleep, but when we get to heaven, if you'd, be, you'd do me the honor... We have, you're on my dance card, and we dance in heaven. So don't worry about the pain in your legs. Don't worry about all that. Don't worry you can't sleep, because in heaven we don't have to sleep. We be, have energy and all of that. So we'll keep our eye on that. And this is for all the listeners who call, you know, um, Jermaine, Cece, Rosalinda, you know, people who have problems, go through things. But we have to, I keep my eye on heaven when all of us will be together. You know I love contending for the faith. Of course, you'll be there, Dr. Buckner, and, and everybody. And so um, that's what I wanted to say. I wanted to say that to Rick, not, not to worry, and if he will dance with me, then I would very much like to dance with him in heaven. Well, you know what? I know that Rick is going to take you up on that, and he's going to be calling in in a little bit because he's listening, and he's calling in again from the hospital. And just oh. uh, so that you will know this, uh, several things. Rick has been in the ministry with me for over 22 years. He was wow. my right-hand man Uh, until he got Parkinson and uh, diabetes, and uh, he still makes his way over from Daly City all the way over to our church in Marin, and uh, he uh, is an amazing man of God and a Jewish brother that came to know the Lord, and uh, I just want to say to you, Sophia, that you remind me so much of, uh, in, in your own way, of Johnny Erickson Tata, because have you heard of her? Oh yes, that's yeah. Quite and she, what you're talking about dancing in heaven, she makes the statement, you know, that when she gets to heaven, she says she's going to hurdle over the pearly gates of heaven. <laughs> and I'm sure when she's hurtling over it, you and Rick will be dancing up uh, a godly storm for Jesus. Mm-hmm. And so, anyway, thank you for your encouraging call, and we always get blessed by it. And we look forward to talking to you, if, if the Lord's will, next week. Thank you so much. Good night. Good night. All right. All right. Well, it looks like we may have Katrina back. Katrina, are you there? Hi. Yes, I am. All righty. It's good to hear your voice uh, tonight. And uh, uh, what's on your heart tonight? Okay. I'm having this little bit of a dilemma. Okay. Um. I have an ex who contacted my friend who says she's a believer and Christian in the church, but ran around and stalked him because she was jealous. And then 
now, because all that stalking didn't work or whatever they were trying to do, I'm not really sure, um, because they won't acknowledge that, you know, they're on our money or whatever. And she tried to move back into Kansas City into another move, and it's probably not going to work. She's just going to sit there again and keep staring about him trying to, uh, for people trying to um, look online so they can all continue to harass me about my body. Uh-huh. So what, what, what would you like uh, for us to, how can we help you? What's your question to us? How can we help you? Okay, so my issue really has to do with struggling with body image, okay? I have a cardiac pacemaker. Um, people, for some reason, like to stare at my body and think that, you know, I'm different and, um, you know, I look different. And, you know, because of the fact that I have a cardiac pacemaker, I've been given a lot of grief about it, about uh, that issue been going on a long time um, with people. And I really, you know, I, I, I read my Bible, I, you know, I pray, I try to do all the things that God, you know, tells you to do or whatever. And, um, you know, I'm just going through the motions because, like, I just feel like this, this issue is like, you know, it's too big for me. It's like, you know, if it's not, <laughs> you know, I, I just don't know how, where to turn because it's like the issue is really is just I have a cardiac pacemaker, and so um, when I was a baby, I was, you know, I had surgery and I had an operation as a baby. So, um, you know, since then or whatever, I've always struggled with body image and now being, like, body shamed, you know, because, oh, Miss Thing, you know, wants to compare herself to my ex and his and his uh, three daughters or whatever and the way they look about me because it has to do with, um, like, names, like house of names. Well, let me say this. Let me say this to you. Uh, you know, first and foremost, we really uh, appreciate you calling and being transparent with us about, you know, the things you've been struggling with. I just want to say a few things to be helpful to you. Um, number one, um, what you need to do, uh, because this issue with you, uh, with body image, is very uh, internal and strong, and it's uh, affecting you, and you need to get some good Christian counseling. Uh, and you need to get some counseling from a psychiatrist and a psychologist, somebody that can really get to the root of your issues so that you can bear fruit. So I want to recommend that to you. Uh, and then secondly, uh, from a biblical perspective, uh, you need to look at uh, the fact that you are wonderfully made. You should read uh, Psalms 139, uh, where it talks about how you were miraculously and wonderfully made. And then also um, Genesis 1 and 26, you created in God's image. And uh, so he created you very beautiful despite what you're going through. And in heaven, you're going to have a new heart, a new body. That's something that you can look forward to. And right now, 
your focus needs to be more upon uh, what God is saying rather than what people are saying, because people can can put you in the grave when your mind is upon everything they're saying about you. Now, you also want to look at passages like the book of Job. I would encourage you to read the entire book of Job because he went through a lot. You know, he he literally lost everything and his body. He was attacked by the enemy from the crown of his head to the bottom of his feet. And he said, yea, though he slay me, yet would I trust in him. And yet through all that he went through, God, he because he trusted God and he kept his focus on God and even his friends. Now, this is where you're going to get a lot of help with your issues. Mm-hmm. Job, when he was going, have you ever read the book of Job? Yeah, I actually did a whole, I did the whole book a okay. long time ago in Calvary Chapel. Okay, well, I would encourage you to read it again, but these are the things you need to look at. Look okay. at the attacks upon him from every which way. But also look at the attacks that came upon him from his three so-called friends. They were accusing him of things and saying things about him. He was even attacked by his own wife. And he said, yea, though, you know, you speak as a foolish woman. Because Job had his mind so much upon God that even though his wife was saying things to curse God and die, his focus was so much upon God, not upon what his wife was saying, to do and against them and his three so-called friends. Uh, but his focus was so much upon God, and that's where you need to keep your focus at. You need to get your focus on God, not what people are saying to you. And look at the fact that, like Johnny Erickson Tata, she's, you know, she's, you know, she can't move her body. The only thing she can move is her mouth, and she does painting with her mouth and she for the glory of God and then she also uh, has a wheelchair ministry and her attitude is so much upon God that the the things around her doesn't matter it's just God and the focus and so so you got these attacks coming at you just like the thing that happened with Job but you got to keep your focus on God. And and then look at Paul. He had the thorn in his flesh. I would encourage you to look at 2 Corinthians 12. And, and God gave him grace, and he gave him strength, and he gave him power. And uh, so all of these people throughout the Bible had some type of illnesses or sickness. Paul, Job, Timothy had a stomach problem. But their focus was so much upon God, and even Jesus, through the greatest trials and tribulations and people saying all types of things against him, you know. And then this is the thing also I want to say in, in, in conclusion, that you, you, do you understand spiritual warfare? Oh, I've been through it like hell. Okay, but you need to go through it like heaven. Not, yeah, not, not, so, so, so this is the thing is, this is the thing. When you are being attacked by people, what does Ephesians 6 and 12 say? We wrestle not against flesh and blood, but principalities and powers and rules of darkness, spiritual wickedness, and heavenly places. So people are, the things that people are saying to you, they're not your enemy. They're victims of the villain, you know, the two Vs. They're victims of the villain, Satan. They don't even know what they're doing. So you have to pray for them. Pray for your enemies. Pray for them that say all manners of evil against you, Jesus said. 
and your reward is going to be great in heaven. So hopefully some of the things I've said to you, we almost go to a commercial but uh, break, but hopefully some of this stuff I've said to you will be an encouragement to you, and you definitely need to get some counseling because your situation is deep. And let's have Gary to pray for you right now and, 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 and lift you up in the Lord before we go to the commercial break. Mm-hmm. And then leave your number, too, because we want a follow-up call. But hopefully something something I've said to you has been an encouragement to you. You know, Katrina, some of our biggest challenges is always how do we love the unlovable? When people are persecuting us, when people are difficult to work with and be around, how do we love yeah. them? You know, and prayer works. And my wife went through some serious stuff with a, a supervisor at one time, and, you know, we just pr- began to pray for that person, and things changed radically. So, so I, I challenge you, you know, pray for that, pray for those individuals, and let God do the work. You'll see amazing things happen. Yeah, and, and, and keep looking at the fact, like I said, uh-huh. they're that they're not your enemies. Satan is working on them. That's why you wrestle not against flesh and blood. But let's pray for you right now. Lord, we just lift up Katrina for before you, and we pray right now that you, Lord God, would just supernaturally touch the hearts of those people who are uh, being so uh, mean and callous toward her. We pray, Lord God, for them that you'd open their eyes to the reality that they need their Savior. They need a Savior. They need to repent. They need to change what they're doing. And Lord God, we, in the meanwhile, we pray for Katrina that you would give her your peace, your perfect peace, which surpasses all understanding. Guard her heart and mind through Christ Jesus. Let her go to sleep tonight knowing that you love her. Let her go to sleep tonight knowing that you have her best interests at heart. Your word says you have planned to prosper her and not to harm her. Lord God, so bless her with that assurance. Bless her with that confidence. Bless her with new strength and new joy. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Be sure to leave your number, okay, so we can keep in contact with you and follow-up call. For sure. All righty. Thank you for your call. Thank you. God, God bless. bless you. God bless you. Same with you. All right. All right. Well, I think it's time for us to take a commercial break. Our phone lines are open once again. We'll be right back with more of Contending for the Faith. Welcome back to Contending for the Faith with your host, Bay Area Pastor, Lecture Counselor, and Expert on the Colts, Dr. Jerry L. Buckner. I'm Gary Bell. Once again, our phone lines are open. We want to hear from you. That number Again, is one eight 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 F O R K F A X. We want to also uh, thank everybody again for their prayers and their con- consistent prayers for this ministry. We know that those prayers are keeping us going, and we appreciate them greatly. And we just want to encourage you that not only do we need your prayers, but this is a listener-supported ministry. And we really vitally need your support right now to continue to be on the air doing what we need to do. It costs us 400 a week. And right now we're looking at a $342 deficit. We need to get that taken care of. And not only just by week to week, but we'd like to get ahead of the game. So we want to encourage you, if you've been listening to the broadcast for many years and never written a note of encouragement or are donated in any way, now's the time. We need your help. We need your support. There's two ways you can donate. The first is is simply uh, get send a check or money order to Contending for the Faith, P.O. Box 553, Tiburon, California. Uh, that's Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. The second way, simply go online to contendingfaith.org, contendingfaith.org. 
Click on the donate button, and it's that simple. You'll be a blessing for time and eternity. You know, we have come off the summer months, which is always very sketchy for ministries. People go on vacation, and they often take a vacation from their giving. And it's just the reality of uh, that time of year where people are gone and they're doing things. And we understand you need a vacation, you need a break. But we we don't want you to take a, a vacation from your giving because you come back and you discover that we're on a prolonged vacation, so to speak. And you turn the radio on and you will find that there's something else here instead of contending for the faith. And we don't want that. We believe God is going to bless and he's going to use you to be that blessing. So we want to encourage you. Now's the time to give. Uh, Dr. Buckner. Thank you, Brother Gary. Appreciate that. And we're going to get right back to our callers. Uh, phone. The computer is lit up like a Christmas tree. Yes, Amen. it is. Mm-hmm. All right. So we're going to go to CC. He's been waiting patiently. How are you doing, CC? Yeah, yeah, hello. What's on your heart tonight? We've got several other callers, so we're going to get right to your question. What's on your heart tonight? I wanted to ask you a question in um, in First Corinthians again. Um, I believe it was chapter 14, and the thing is where we said last night in verse 7. Okay, you have your Bible there? Uh, yes, I do. Well, why don't you read that so the listening audience can hear it in case they don't have their Bibles in front of them? Okay, no problem. It says, And even things without life, given sound, whether pipe or harp, except they give an distinct distinction... In the sounds, how shall it be known what is pipe or harp? Right. That's a very good uh, verse of Scripture. And uh, let me try to make some sense out of what Paul is trying to uh, convey and illustrate. Because what he's trying to do is illustrate a comparison between the musical instruments and the uh, teaching uh, gifts of the Word of God. And uh, there are three points that I want to just kind of make with this and then dovetail off of that. Uh, You know, the uh, things, uh, even if they are um, musical instruments, they are useless, uh, even if uh, it's uh, a musical instrument apart from, um, you know, an understanding. And so the same thing is with the uh, Word of God. It's useless unless you give an understanding uh, so the church can understand it. That's why in verse 10 he says, and none of them is without significance. So even music is, is, is significance, but how much more is the Word of God that we should be making sense out of? Because if there is a sense made out of musical instruments, the Apostle Paul is saying we need to make even more sense out of the Word of God. So this is the thing that God is expecting for us to do. When you hear the uh, musical sounds, they are to make sounds that's sensible and hearable and learnable. And how much more should the human speech makes sense. This is what Paul is saying. How much more should human speech, when it comes to the Word of God, that should be elevated even above the musical instruments because that is the Word of God. So he's making a comparison between how to make sense out of one thing, which is musical instruments, but on a greater level should we make sense 
out of the Word of God. So hopefully that helps you out because I was trying to bring that out as far as what the Apostle Paul is trying to compare between the two. So hopefully that helps you. Mm-hmm. Especially when yeah, it comes to comes to tongues, yes. you, need, you need to have that interpretation. Otherwise, you're, it's like playing a musical instrument without any rhyme or reason. It doesn't make sense. It, you're playing notes all over the place and nobody understands what you're playing. Mm-hmm. Same thing with tongues. If there's no interpretation, then the church is edified. We don't know what's going on. You're just making sounds. Yes, and then, it's, uh, then the Bible says God is not the author of confusion. Yeah. So God is a God who wants to take fusion out of confusion, whether it is musical instruments or especially the Word of God. So people who are saying this is the Word of God in relationship to tongues, and there is no interpreter with that, then it's just uh, making sounds. It's talking loud and saying nothing. It's beating up against the air. That's what he says in verse 9. So likewise, ye accept ye utter by the tongue, words easy to understand, how should it be known what is spoken, for ye shall speak unto the air. It's like James Brown said, you're talking loud but saying nothing, and you know, and that's the, the bottom line to it all. So hopefully that helps you out. Yeah, you can, both, both of you guys are very clear. I really appreciate that. Well, thank you so much, and we'll get your prayer next time because we got a lineup of callers and we appreciate your, your your question. Look forward to talking to you next week of the Lord's will. Okay, I, I appreciate it. Thank you, and I appreciate uh, Sophia making that uh, you know, um, mention. You know her, her her concern. You know I appreciate that, and I want us all to keep Brother Rick and Sophia and everybody else in prayer. Thank you. We we all they all need it, and we need it as well. So appreciate those uh, sentiments. Uh, all right, let's get to who we have. Rick next. Yep, Brother Rick. How are you doing, Brother Rick? I'm here kicking and ready to uh, get, get down to business. Let me ask you a question before you get to the question. Uh, are you uh, going to be ready when you get to heaven to dance with Sophia? <laughs> I've, I've, been da- I've been dancing on earth, so I said once, once, once you get into heaven dancing on earth, you look forward to dancing in heaven. Amen, because she says she wants to dance with you when you get to, when you get to heaven. And tell, tell her, tell her I've attempted to dance already, even on my uh, thesis. <laughs> right. Amen. All right. What's on your heart tonight, my brother? I just want to ask, uh, what is the significance in, in Paul in, in Philippians where it says the fellowship of his suffering? <laughs> That's my first question. Okay, well, let's get to your first question first. Um, the fellowship of his suffering. Well, you know, that's a good question because... A lot of people misunderstand that uh, phrase of the Apostle Paul, uh, the fellowship of his suffering. It's not some type of, well, let me just back up this. He says that I may know the the resurrection and the, the power of the resurrection and the fellowship of his suffering. Now, when he says, I may know the fellowship of his suffering, he's not saying it from the perspective of some type of perverse way of being uh, you know, going through uh, some type of extreme beatings and 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 almost to the point where he's dying like the Lord Jesus Christ. Because uh, if that was true, then uh, he would have never um, uh, cried out to be to be delivered from the thorn that was in his flesh. So that was an infirmity. So if he 
if that was the fellowship of suffering, the infirmity, then he would have just said, Lord, leave it there. So Paul wanted to be delivered from uh, a certain type of suffering in his life. So he wasn't desiring some type of perverse way of suffering uh, on a consistent basis. And even when they were getting ready to uh, uh, kill him in Rome, he he cried out that he was a Roman citizen because they were trying to scourge him and a whole bunch of things. So what is he talking about when he talks about the fellowship of his suffering? Well, you have to look at First Corinthians, Second uh, uh, Corinthians twelve, and then you look at verse nine, and it gives you the answer because out of the suffering came uh, his grace is sufficient for him in witness uh, and weakness as well as strength, and he was made perfect in his weakness, and he experienced the power of Christ. So that's what comes out of suffering, is that we experience that grace and that peace and that power, and that's what he was desiring to have out of that fellowship. So hopefully that helps. And and let's get to your next, we have about three more minutes, let's get to your next uh, question. What's your next question? I've been hearing about some changes with Benny Hinn, and I, I, I don't know if you know anything about it. Oh, I do. Um, a friend of mine had called me. I need to get back with him. He called me and was asking about Benny Hinn. Well, Benny Hinn has just recently came out and said that he has denounced the word faith teaching. Um, and um, and so, and and he has a, um, a nephew by the name of uh, uh Cordy, and uh, he came out of the word faith teaching, his nephew, and he's been trying to reach his uncle. Now, he might have had a great impact upon him, but I want to say this, that we want to wait and see. We want to wait and see because back in the 1980s and the 1990s, he even said that he, was den- he denounced the word faith teachers, the prosperity teachers, but he went right back to it. So I think the key is going to be here is humility and accountability. He needs to be accountable to some godly leaders that will counsel him and give uh, fruit, show fruit that he's really uh, been repentant of this thing. Uh, that's going to be the bottom line to it all. Look like we hear the music, and we might have had another caller. We want to encourage that caller to call in next week, and we'll try to address your question first and foremost. But hopefully that helped to answer your question, Brother Rick. Okay, appreciate it. You got it. Hear that music, Gary. Like a home run, the name of Jesus. All right. Well, we've come to the end of tonight's exciting broadcast. And as Dr. Bucker mentioned, anybody that's still left out there. We'll get to you next week. Call in. Call in early. So tonight we want to thank uh, Vince, our engineer, Frederick, our phone counselor, and you, our listening audience, for being part of tonight's program. It's important for us to hear from you. Your letters and cards are an encouragement to us. So please drop us a note and let us know how the program has blessed you. You can reach us at Contending for the Faith, Post Office Box 553, Tiburon, California, 94920. Uh, Please keep us in your prayers until next week at this time when we once again give you the opportunity to ask questions, make comments, and dialogue with Dr. Buckner, always with one purpose in mind, to equip, exhort, and better enable you to contend for the faith. I'm Gary Bell. May God richly bless you.